Oh, hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Why They Have Not podcast. My name is Stephen Brogan Cortez. If you're new here, this is episode 78. 78? 78. I just checked with the producers. Yeah, 78. We're at 78. And today, uh, it's a a friend, not from college, but a friend from my days at Rockwell Table and Stage. Uh, This is my good friend, Ashley Balderrama. Uh, She is a photographer, a a theater enthusiast. She's a a social activist, a a photojournalist. Talking with Ashley was definitely very... Mind and eye opening, especially as her friend. I get, I, I got to get a deeper view of like who Ashley is, but also what, she, like, what she does as a photojournalist, from going to like KKK rallies to like show people what's going on, to going to George Floyd rallies, or just going through, just showing what's going on in her community. You know, the day by day. Uh, it was definitely a pleasure to talk to Ashley. I hope you enjoy the show uh, now again in video. Uh, and you know what? I, I didn't know I was going to be doing this, but hey, have you subscribed yet? Have you subscribed yet? Go, go, go subscribe. Go comment. Do stuff. You know, share it with your mother. Maybe your mother's going to like this. Maybe your father's going to like this. Maybe your weird Uncle Joe is going to like this. You know, show him. Uh, but without further ado, uh, let's roll it, roll it on. Welcome to the Why the F Not podcast with Ashley Balderrama. Cool. Ah, all right. So the show usually starts off with a nice little intro, so the folks get a get a nice uh, introduction of who you are. But I'll give you the warm introduction now. Ashley Balderrama, welcome to the Why the F Not podcast. I'm so happy you're here. I'm so happy I'm here. Is this your first podcast appearance? I think this is my, I think this is my third. <gasps> Your third all time out. Wait, what? Pod- yeah. What podcasts have you been on before? Um. So my uh, cousin's uh, wife, now wife, she was doing a podcast um, uh, called Rad People. Um, I did one with her. I want to say sometime last year. Um, and then I did another one with um, this girl named Bree, who um, lives in another state, but got connected through her from some of the the work I used to do before the pandemic uh, at a uh, foundation in West Hollywood. So, um, just you know, same same vibes, talking about the same kind of things. So cool. Oh, wait, so wait, yeah. what, what were those podcasts about? Um, I think okay. So the first one was just you know my cousin asking me about like the work that I'm doing, um, and then. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember what the name of the other one was, but I'm currently blanking. So it's like sorry to that friend. I'm sorry. Uh, shout yeah, out to your I, 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 yeah, I had only like met her that one time. I mean, she was great and wonderful, but the other one was like with my family. So um, it it was fun though. Nice. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I was telling you before this podcast again. There's very chill vibes also, and we just talk about you and your art and your journey. And where it all started for you, and like I know you from Rockwell Table and Stage, R.I.P. Uh, and I think, I think I, I witnessed the—I don't know if it was the beginnings of your photography, but I want you to start it off by letting me know where did your love of photography begin? Sure. I mean, it's so hard to like narrow down like specifics. I think I was one of those kids where like my mom would always try and get me like those like leapfrog cameras or you know whatever i would steal her like 
at the time, like, you know, like the flip phone camera phones, like I used to steal her phone and take pictures of flowers or whatever, you know, dumb things. Um, and it was always just, you know, it wasn't really ever like, oh, be a photographer. No, nothing, nothing like that. Um, and then in high school, I took a photography class. Um, it's the only photography class I've taken technically. Um, and then my senior year, um, I ended up doing a lot of photos for our yearbook. So like I just like one of my my grandmother had bought me a camera and it was like the nicer one I've ever had. Um, and so I just like, was taking pictures all the time and ended up like going to, you know, events in my high school and taking pictures there um, and then used a lot of them in my yearbook, my senior year. Um, and then went off to college or whatever, still was like very much just a hobby thing, like on the side. Um, every time I'd come home or whatever, my friends and I would just like, I'll have my camera with me and we would maybe go like, I think one, a couple of times we'd go up to like the mountains of Hollywood Hills and like take pictures with the scenery in the Ooh. background. Like, you know, nothing like super serious, like literally just like, oh my God, take like pose, you know, like really fun. Um, and then I had a couple of people like ask me to take like, you know, graduation photos or whatever. Like it was very small, limited stuff. And then, um, and then it just kind of like grew from there while I was at working, while I was working at Rockwell, like trying to go into this theater world. Um, and then I was like, okay, like maybe I'm actually, you know, making a little bit of money with this. Like, this is interesting. Um, and then at the time I just wasn't really loving my experience at Rockwell. You had left me. So I was like by myself. No. Oh, wait, when I <laughs> left, left, when I left, it didn't go what way time out. Let's okay. We, we got <laughs> Let's talk Rockwell for a little bit. Wait, for, wait, for, wait, time out for well, whoa, so much was said. I gotta like, <laughs> I gotta like. This is like my job as the host now to like backtrack, remember little things you said, and take us back. And I want to like zoom in on them a little bit. So you said the <laughs> only class for photography you ever took was just in high school. Yeah, I like to say like now that I like graduated from YouTube University, and I hey. just like. It's just like, to, like, I've just been, you know, every time I don't know something or like it's tricky or whatever, like I will probably head straight to Google and just like see if there's articles or videos. Um, if not, then, you know, reach out to now I have like a community of like friends that are in this world that I can now reach out to. But before it was very much like on my own, just trying to figure it out. I never took any like college courses or don't have a degree in this field or anything like that. That's so beautiful. And it, 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 it's, it like uh, reminds me of something I, I shared before with a friend about the gatekeeping of knowledge, right? Mm -hmm. And like, I feel like sometimes that's what college feels like, especially for those who can't afford it or just don't have access to college. You feel like that, mm -hmm. that knowledge is gatekept from you, right? And you can't, like, you want to learn how to do this A, B, C, or D, but you can't because there's a wall in front of you. But now we have YouTube and Google, fuck TikTok, all these, yeah. all these platforms that allow us to kind of dive into the, I don't know, we could call it the, the, the collective of minds, right? Of the human, of the human collection of minds, if you will. And like, if you want to learn yeah. something, search it up and like, it, it might be hard to find, you know, the right video or the right article that explains what you need, but, but damn, dude, that's dope, yeah. man. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, obviously, there's going to be some fields where like college is obviously very necessary or whatever. And like, you probably need that for the resources that you need to get. But like, in a creative field, like, it, for me, personally, I learn best by just doing it, experiencing it, trying it, um, 
you know, putting it to the test because that's the only way, like, when you're, I don't, I don't personally like sitting behind a desk and, like, you know, having somebody teach me and I have to read a book. Like, that's not my thing. I'd much rather, like, go out and do it. And if I, you know, if I mess up, can I curse? Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. If I fuck up, then, like, <laughs> then, you know, I fuck up and I learned from it. And I know that, like, next time I'm not going to do it that way or, you know, and, um, yeah, it's, I personally, like, I've thought currently in the last couple of years, like, oh, maybe I should go, you know, maybe take some journalism courses or whatever. And every time I tell another person that, like, another creative in my field, they're like, no, just talk to me, talk, you know, or, you know, we'll do something. Don't do that. Don't waste your money. It's not worth it. Like, I I started at a, a CSU in San Marcos, um, like, a, you know, state school and hated it down there. And so then I was like, I'm going to move home. And that's when I started working at Rockwell, actually. I was coming home every weekend anyway because I was interning there. So I was like, I'm just going to move home. And, like, I'm a big supporter of junior colleges. So I went to Pasadena community and just, like, was pursuing theater there and, like, loved every second of it. Um, And also didn't have to, like, break my bank tremendously, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was able to, like, work while I was there. Like, I had a lot of friends who were just going to school and by the time they get to the end of their graduation they'd like never applied for a job or never done any of that and mm. yeah and i'm like oh well i'm very familiar with indeed uh. and linkedin if you need some help like, <laughs> I, I got the resume builder i got the resume builder exactly. i got you i was like i got you yeah. <laughs> so yeah yeah there's a there's a lot that comes from doing and from experience i mean my theater teacher in high school, Miss Swan, shout out Swan. She told us all, like, I think it was like a, a group of us seniors about to graduate. And I, I think it was like the play production class with like all like the, the theater kids and whatnot. So there might have been underclassmen there. But she told us all flat out, you don't need a theater degree to be an actor. You don't. Mm-hmm. And like for you, a photographer, you're a journalist, even a photojournalist, right? I don't know what other titles you, you claim for yourself professionally, but unless you're looking to, I don't know, unless you were looking to go into like right now, right? Without any of the experience you have, if you're wanting to go work at CNN or some sort of big news outlet, right? They probably do want, you know, some sort of credentials when it comes to, you know, do you have a degree? Do you have this? Because if you don't have experience... The degree, the degree can substitute for that, but there's something experience that that experience gives you that is irreplaceable. It, you you can't mm-hmm. you can't deny that. Yeah, you're proof of that, even man. Like you're oh. proof of that, and even going to even going to like Pasadena com- like community college, right? Mm-hmm. Like, dude, like first off, Pasadena is beautiful. First off, beautiful. And also Pasadena Community College gives me the same vibes that Pierce College gives me in the Valley. Mm-hmm. Where they're, mm-hmm. they're community colleges, but they're like dope schools. Like they don't like you'll get a good education there. And like you said, you won't break the bank. Yeah, you're literally like some of my teachers also taught at Cal State LA. So I was essentially getting the same education, but I was able to like afford it myself, you know, like be able to like put myself through a lot of most of my schooling. Other than if I were to be at, you know, a state college or a fancy private college, like I would have taken out millions of loans and all this stuff. And mm-hmm. I'd be like in some major debt and stress right now. And I'm like, I'm, I'm blessed that I didn't have to do that. And I'm, it's very much privileged that like I was able to work while I was at school to be able to, to do all of that. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, man. So, okay. So let's talk Rockwell now. And for those that don't know Rockwell Table and Stage, let's paint the let's paint a picture. Rockwell Table and Stage was a cabaret dinner theater spot, if you will, bar dinner theater experience in, in, in Hollywood, California, right off the 101. Uh, mm-hmm. Dope little spot. Uh, that uh, that was one of it was it was a residency house for Jeff Goldblum and his and his jazz band. Yes. That mm-hmm. was one of the coolest things, honestly, that we could say that we got to like hang out with Jeff and just you know. I know. I always I always tell the story of you and I sitting in the office. You were like we were working on the seating map or something before his show, and you and I were sitting there, and all of a sudden he walks in and he's like, "Hey guys, can I eat dinner here? Like, is that okay? Like at Kate's desk?" And I was like, "We were like." And so you and I are just sitting here working and we're like so tense. We're like, oh my God, Jeff Goldblum is right here. You know, like we see this man like every week, but still we're just like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And then he like, he's like, okay guys, have a great night. See you later. And he walks out and you and I just like grab each other. We were like, did that just happen? We were breathing the same air as Jeff Goldblum. Literally, we were like, oh my God. Like that's how I felt every time I was in the room with him. Like, Oh, my biggest accomplishment in life. <laughs> yeah. Being near that man. And honestly, like working at Rockwell gave us a good perspective of 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 these celebrities we see and seeing mm-hmm. them in a more realistic perspective. Like like yeah, like Jeff Goldblum is definitely like the way you see him on TV, his personality, like we definitely didn't mm-hmm. see him like the way he is at home, you would say, uh, you know, right? Like we didn't see him like that at right. Rockwell. But the way you see him on TV and scream is like the way when he just is like he's very down to earth and like we got to talk to him a lot just hanging out like yeah. his band. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, he like barely ever remembered my name, like, <laughs> but like I didn't care honestly. I was like, I he most of the time he remembered my face and knew that I worked there, and that's really all I needed in life for me to be happy, healthy, and safe. I was like, Jeff Goldblum knows my existence. I'm period done. <laughs> And I don't know if he knows this, but till this day, I still refer to him as Uncle Jeff. Same. Literally same. Like, I, when I see him again, whenever, wherever that will be, I'll be like, Uncle Jeff! And he'll be like, Uncle? I'm your uncle? I'll be like, don't worry about it, man. We had dinner before. Let me hug you. Let me right, tell like, you. It's a thing. Dude. So, yeah, Rockwell was just a spot that had Jeff Goldblum there on Wednesdays. They had... Their Umpo series, their unauthorized musical parody of series, where Kate Pazakis, shout out Kate, she was one, of, she was the producer there, right? She was because I was there when I got there. It, she was still the main producer, like when I got there. Yeah. And I don't know if was there someone there before her. Uh, yeah. So there were uh, there were some other folks. Um, the uh, I'm totally blanking right now, but. Um... They were doing, they did the like. Oh, the Tarantino um, show and all those. Yeah, 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 exactly. But I think she was still kind of involved somewhat in some of that stuff. Um, And then it became fully her. And that's like how um, I got involved. Actually, well, technically, my mom, she was already going to shows there with one of her friends. And then I came home from college one weekend and my mom was like, let's go to a show, blah, blah, blah. So we went to go see one of the shows. Um, I think it was The Love Is About. No, not that one. It was a different one before that. I can't remember. But but, but was uh, it like it was, part of like the Tarantino uh, production comp- like those folks? Yeah, it was it was those folks uh, or maybe not. I don't remember. Wait, it was, it was a long we time. Got, ago. This is 
wait, time out. What was that? That's going to bother me because that was those Tarantino shows. Because those shows were fucking amazing too. Because it was no, a, okay. It was it was the Baz Luhrmann. Oh, okay. Stuff. Oh, that, was that one. Time. That okay. was the first time. I think that was the first show I ever saw. I think my mom was going there before that. And was that when Rockwell's stage was only half that room? No, this was this was after that. Oh, okay. Yeah, this was after that. The history I've, of this place is so there. rich. I know so, it is, and so many people have like been in and out, and you know, and like big names, big, you know, people that are still out in this business, like killing it and doing amazing. But so many people. I've legit watched Broadway stars, fucking yes. Hollywood TV and film stars perform, sit down and eat, dude. Fucking mm-hmm. Chris Hemsworth, Clark Kented me. Did I tell what? you? Okay, so one, what? I forgot what show this was. Oh, oh, sorry, it was Jeff Goldblum's show. So it was probably when Jeff was filming for Ragnarok. And that's when he was in the movie with, with Chris Hemsworth. And one day, this tall, strapping Australian gent wearing a cap and glasses walks to the Rockwell table and stage little, you know, the little host, the host set up. And I'm there in my window and I'm like, oh, hi, do you have a... Name under tickets and oh, I'm, I'm in uh, I'm in Jeff's party. I'm the producer. I'm with him. Oh my god! And I'm just like, oh yeah, no worries, man. Cool, cool, cool. I sit him, no big deal. I come back to my spot. I go home after the night. I'm laying in bed and I'm like, that was fucking Thor. Wait. Oh my god! That was Thor. He was there. And it. And, Freaking! I would have died. I, I'm glad I didn't know because I would have frozen. The only, the I don't know. Uh, did you ever have any like truly freezing your shoes moments seeing like a celebrity at Rockwell? Oh God, that's a good question. Um, honestly, Jeff Goldblum is one of my favorite people on the planet. So every time I saw him, I was kind of like that. Um, I don't know. There were so many folks that went in and out, like. The one that I was really upset that I missed because I had just left the building and no one told me was Zac Efron was like on the patio side. It was like, it was during um, a league of their own. So it was kind of like towards the end, like when I was, I think that was like 2018 or something. And uh, I literally just left the building, whatever I get all the way home. And then I think it was one of the hosts at the time or something they texted me and they were like, oh my God, Zach Efron, you know, just came in from the patio side. And I was like, huh, what, huh, what? And Seth Rogen. No, it's when they were doing Neighbors probably. It was, so it was because <sighs> Seth Rogen's wife like loves um, A League of Their Own or something. Like it was oh one of her favorite God. movies. And so they came and saw the movie and everything. And I showed up to work the next day and I was like, I literally, I went up to Wayne, who was one of the owners of Rockwell. And Wayne. I was like, how, shout out. I was like, how did you, how, why did no one tell me? <laughs> I would not have left the building if I had knew that Zac Efron was right downstairs. I probably walked, walked right by him as I like clocked out and everything. I had no, I was so upset. And Wayne was probably like, he was probably like, oh, I'm sorry, honey. I didn't know you wanted to see him. Well, I'll, yeah, I'll let you like, know next time, okay? <laughs> no, legit. He was like, I got a picture for my niece. That was about it. <laughs> I was like, oh. It's not helping, Wayne. You're twisting the knife, man. I know, exactly. But there's literally so many people, like a lot of Broadway people too, that like, I think one of the first times, one of the times I freaked out was when I met Ben Platt. I was like, I didn't even like say his name was Ben Platt. I was like, oh my God, that's Tony Award winner for (laughs) Best Actor in a Musical, Ben Platt. Is that Tony Award winner, Ben Platt? 
Is that Broadway performing that, Ben Platt? <laughs> literally me. I was like, oh my God. And I don't normally stop and ask people for pictures or anything like that. But he was one where I was like, I can't not ask him for a picture. Like it was right after he had won the Tony and everything. Wow. That was like during Breakfast Club when he came to see um, his brother. And yeah, and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and like, I also kind of felt like that with Marissa when I first first met her because, you know, Hairspray was like, I mean, I'm... Oh, love that musical it's just literally one of i used to spend like an entire summer watching it and i knew about her you you know i'd be like oh my god i listened to you on the way here like random you know and now i would say we're like on a very different level or you know i've worked with her so much that like she knows me now and it's it's very much not like that but like when i first met her i was like oh my god that's tony ward with marisa jarrett yeah yeah i mean were you freaking out did you watch her on celebrity big brother I did watch her. Shout out Marissa, Big Celebrity Big Brother yes. winner. She kicked it. Exactly. I think they're, oh, I'm also remembering, I'm like, Dick Van Dyke was also at a um, Goldblum show, and somebody had told me about it, and I stayed the entire show, and I he was sitting, like, one of the tables right in front of the sound yeah. booth. So I remember, like, walking right behind him, and I stood in the sound booth just so that I could, like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah. And, like, Harvey Weinstein was there. Or not Harvey Weinstein. Oh. Not, no. you, you got so excited for that. You're like, dude, Harvey <laughs> no, Weinstein not, was there. You can't not, believe it. No, he wasn't there. No, what's, what's the name of the guy also from Hairspray? The, he played he played the, the, the mom, right? Um, oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, we got to get his name. Like we are going to get his name because you mentioned Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a, No, why am I Googling Weinstein? <laughs> No, no, no. I'm gonna Google Mrs. Doubtfire because he was also in Mrs. Doubtfire. You are talking about the great Harvey Firestein. Harvey Firestein. So it's not your fault. See, he's a letter away. Firestein. I also that was the night where my grandma was there. My grandma was like, "Oh my God, come take a picture of me with him." And I was like, "I can't. I'm working. I have to be professional." Sorry, mom. I can't, grandma. I had to get somebody else to like. Yeah, I had to get somebody else to take a picture of her uh, with him because she was so excited. Dude. Lots of people. I think the one time I truly froze, I truly froze at Rockwell with the guest, someone coming in, was Neil Patrick Harris. Oh. I forgot what show yes. he came in, but it was for one of those unpost shows, and he, j- I froze. I was like, uh, yeah, I, you want uh, see? Yeah, I, you here. <laughs> it was, it was, it was. Do another another interesting moment I had at Rockwell. One of my favorite stories to tell, just because of like, uh, just to show how how fluid sexuality can be, even when you can't expect mm. it. Uh, it was for Courtney Axe show. Do you remember her, the drag queen? She was she was on. Yes. She was in uh, in RuPaul's Drag Race and all that. I think she won second place. That was like her thing or whatever. But shout out Courtney, yes. Australian yes. queen. Uh, she came to perform at Rockwell for one of her shows. And I remember meeting with her before she was in her getup. Right. And I was just, you know, helping him through the whole set. And, and then he, he became Courtney came down. We went through it. And then I walked her back up and I caught myself staring at her butt. And I was like, wait, that's a dude. Wait, but that's a nice butt. But that, Oh, I feel different. I feel different. (laughs) You can't deny some of the, some of the, They looked amazing, they, and they're there. Like, and I'm like, wow, what a what an amazing opportunity we have. Dude, like, I heard, I heard one. Uh, so Darren Chris popped up to Rockwell many yes. times. Dar- Darren's a yes. sweet guy that would just pop up because he had friends who were in the show. He's friends. I think he's friends with like mm-hmm. Emma Hunton, right? 
who is mm-hmm. out on Broadway and again like it. Love uh, her. Rockwell was just a great place like for me as a performer it was a great place to just sit down and just watch and just workshop and mm-hmm. take notes yeah oh absolutely absolutely I think like my I also like growing up I wanted to be a performer I wanted to be you know whatever that's how I got my start in theater but very much like when I was in college I very much learned wanted to learn the production business side as well as like lights and sound and all that stuff like stage managing and all this stuff so I very much was like on a different side where I was very much very honored to like learn from you know some of the lighting people some of the sound people from Chad McMillan love him like to learn from like you love him so much um so very much like learning all that and then you know the production producer side like learning from Kate um and she gave me some great opportunities to put that to the test and um yeah very much I loved it there. I will not, I, you know, I loved every, you know, day there. I, I enjoyed the work. The work was my favorite part. I loved being able to be a part of such um, amazing creativity and like part of those shows. Like I was so happy. I think the, the, the aspects I didn't love was that it's a restaurant and like working in food is a lot. And like, that was the part that I didn't particularly um, gel with and realize that like at the end of the day, like my, you know, my mental health and like be able to like do all the creative stuff I wanted to do was hindered because of the stress of all that other stuff. So um, I decided to quit and that I will, that's probably the best decision I've ever made in, in my life. Hey, take care of yourself. Right. Because yeah, you were, you like, you were, were you doing more job, more work than just being a host? No. Well, yeah. I mean, in, so the, in the last year I was the production coordinator and box office coordinator um, and then I also produced some of the like special events that we did. Like we did um, Midsummer Scream. Um, we did like a comedy festival. Um, and I I produced like those um, extra little things that, oh, I did like, I did all the pride for two years. I did put Rockwell in pride. Um, uh, so that, that was like, and then I was also stage managing at the beginning of that. So I was um, assisting Chad for a lot. Um, <sighs> And so I, I was doing a lot more than just like the restaurant stuff, but like a lot of still the, the that stuff. Wait, time out. Wait, yes, memory is coming back. It's all coming. <laughs> it's all coming back to me now. <laughs> so you base because if I'm remembering, you took over Stephanie's job. Yes, that's yeah, what it was. You weren't just a host. You weren't just interning. Now I'm remembering mm-hmm. when Stephanie shout out Stephanie Lazard when she left mm-hmm. you took over for her. Yeah, that was yeah. a huge huge role to fill. So you but you were mm-hmm. also hosting. Um, I mean, I mean, yeah. Whenever like you know, sometimes if when not, someone dropped like, out, regular, but like okay, yeah. good, okay, okay. I, I would be there if, if need be, but like for the most part, I was but I was still kind of like doing seating maps for everybody and you what? know trying Wait, to make time out as, as an old host at Rockwell. Why are they making you do seating charts? Excuse me. The host should be doing it. Get it together. There, like I said, there was a lot that I that towards the end there that I actually had quit Rockwell before I got that position. I had quit Rockwell and I wasn't a host at all anymore. Um, but I was assistant stage managing, so I was still in the building. And then I had heard that Stephanie was, you know, going to quit and they were going to fill the job. And so when I first got hired. Um, they were going to split the role and like there was only going to be, I was only going to do box office coordination, I think. And they were going to look for somebody for production coordinating. 
But, I, you know, in the meantime, while they were doing it, I was doing both positions. And then after like a month, they were like, you just you just want to keep doing it. And I was like, yeah, yeah, get, yeah sure. Pay me so, more. <laughs> yeah. So that's yeah. So, yeah. Oh, absolutely. So I was just like, yeah, cool. Yeah, that's my job now. And so I was doing that. But I was also still coming in on the weekends, and like doing some of that stuff. And um, uh, yeah. Yeah, I was there for. I spent a lot of my time there. Oh, likewise. Uh, the restaurant side of it, especially when you're the host, can be crazy. Like not just dealing with seating charts, not just dealing with guests, but like having mm -hmm. to deal with the servers, having to deal with mm -hmm. the bar keeps. You know, like if there's a problem with with Alex behind the bar and someone. <laughs> Alex yes. always had someone mad, and I'm like, Alex seems so nice. Why is he? What's Alex? What are you doing? I know. But I know there was a lot of mediating. So much mediating, and all, but I don't know how it was for you with like the boys, you know, because all the servers were these good-looking boys for the most part. You know, mm -hmm. Chris and Wayne, mm -hmm. they were like, you know what? We know our clientele. We know what they want to see. Let's get them cute boys in here. And a lot of those good-looking chads, chads out there, they uh, they were not all of them, of course, but a lot. There were some in there who were creative artists within themselves. Like we had good oh, old yeah. Christian James there, who's on the CW. We got mm -hmm. B Martin, who's like throwing out beats and making his music. Yo, man. Yeah. It's just it's just wild the people you meet, not just, you know, the performers mm -hmm. and stuff, but the people you work with, you know? Like Right. I mean, we're we're in LA, so like almost every server and waiter that you have in this city wants to be an actor or wants to do something, something creative. Like that's just kind of like how people get their start here, and that's definitely how people were getting their start. I, I mean, like I, you know, um like Damien, for example, like he was one of my closest friends because he was half Puerto Rican, just like me. And like, it was like, I loved him so much. And now he's, he just like an SVU episode. And I'm like, I just feel so happy to like see some of the people I've worked with. And like, I'm like, wow, that I feel honored to have had like a special little moment in their timeline. Like it's, it's really cool. Heck yeah. Well, let's, let's, yeah. let's get the spotlight back on you. Let's put it back <laughs> sure. on you, Ashley. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about not just your photography, but I want to talk about your photojournalism. The mm -hmm. uh, like I want like even just I have your page up here and oh. I have your uh, your giggle snaps page where okay. you see all these photos. And it's it's not just of people of people, you know, protesting or people expressing their rights for, you know, for civil liberties and whatnot. But you also have just community photos you shoot everyday life of what's around you, it seems. What sparked all of that? What began that for you? Um, I mean, well, obviously, I was already doing photography. You know, I was doing, like, you know, portraits, like, lifestyle events, blah, blah, blah. Um, and right before the pandemic, I was about to start, like, a job as a lead photographer um, at this business that Tyra Bank was actually starting. Like, I was about to be able to like afford to move out of my house and all this stuff like i it was about to happen and then you know the world ended Ugh, corona um, <laughs> corona and uh that good old covid just came blown through i you know we got laid off like everybody got laid off from that job um i was pretty butthurt for like the first couple of months of that pandemic and i had to be really really careful because um my mom had gotten it like just maybe like a week or so in or something like that. And it was very serious. It was like before anybody knew anything, we were, it was a lot. It was a, very, very stressful. And 
Um, and then I also live with my grandmother. So I was being very, very careful um, in regards to making sure that I, you know, was staying in and all this stuff. Um, and then after like a certain point, I think it was like May or something like that. Um, I was like, I, I was like at home doing self portraits cause I was bored and, you know, still needed to do something photography related, but I was like, I gotta get out. I gotta do something. So then I started portraits. So portraits on people's porches. Mm. Um, so started that and that was kind of like my first dive back into, you know, my work I was doing and it was completely donation based. People, um, could pay whatever they wanted because I knew it was hard and for everybody to to afford to do things I just wanted to work like I really didn't care like and half the time like they're my best friends so I just made their entire donation um so I was sending 50% to Project Angel Food which is an org I worked mm. um I did a lot of volunteer photography for before the pandemic so I was sending 50% of each of my shoots there but most of the time I would send the entire thing because I didn't need the money you know they did they were working really hard especially in that time so um so yeah and then um, all these stuff with Joyce Floyd started um, and protests and whatever. So then I ended up splitting that and sending another, um, so sending 25% to BLMLA and then another 25% back to um, uh, Project Angel Food. And again, sometimes the entire thing just got donated. Um, and so I was doing that. Um, and then, and then some folks in the neighborhood that I am from um, decided to start having like weekly trump rallies um on like our main block like and pro-trump people mm -hmm. okay okay yeah and they were getting like pretty violent and pretty like just like hitting people's cars or oh. like you know yelling at people flipping people off and this was just like i don't know like maybe 15 something people standing on the side of the road with wait their time out this is 15 people yeah. Making a ruckus? Yeah. Like, like, here's the thing. Yeah. You can be pro-Trump and I will love you. But why the fuck are you hitting people's cars? What are you doing? Yeah. It was a lot. It was, um, <sighs> so that, yeah, it got a little crazy <sighs> for a little bit. And then, um, I, you know, then some people started to counter protest them. It was actually started just with, uh, one girl and her husband who would go out there every Friday and stand across the street from them with their BLM sign and everything. And I was like, that's so cool. And at the time I was doing portraits, so I would drive by them as on like on my way to a shoot or whatever. And I never got out, but I just was like, Oh, that's amazing. Good for them. Like I'm, I wish I could be there, but again, I was like being careful. So I wasn't really protesting at the time. And so then, um, it kind of ramped up every, you know, they, the other folks from counter protesting got a couple more folks. I got out of the car one day and was just like, I have to, take pictures of them i have like i just want to document it was um rihanna taylor's birthday actually the day that i did that mm. um and so they had balloons and like um it was really they had like happy birthday brianna signs and everything so i was like let me get out so i took a couple pictures of all the folks that were standing there there was maybe like seven or something like that counter protesting the the trump people on the other side um so that was my first time and then like the week after that or something like that um, was Juneteenth and the Trumper people on the other side said they posted on community pages that we're going to have a blue lives rally this Friday on June 19th. And I was like, eh. I mean, they could have had, they could have had a June 18th. They could have had a June 20th, <laughs> but it just so happened to land on that Friday where they've been doing this weekly Friday thing. So that's why in their heads, they're like, yeah, we're going to do blue lives. And so, a couple of us were like, that's just not going to stand. We're not going to, you know, let that be a thing. And 
and you know there's a lot of you know smaller stuff that went into it but essentially got a lot of folks to come out on juneteenth to counter protest them and that was the first time that um and they had a, a lot of people we had a lot of people it was a very interesting day but it was also very beautiful like i just was like oh my god i can't believe this many people came to tahunga which a lot of people don't realize is city of la like it's just at the very very tippy top but like it is city of la like we're dealing with you know lapd here it's not you know it's very it's it was very interesting the dynamic but it just looks so far away on a map so a lot of people don't even come out but we got so many people that day people from like the oc or like a little bit from the inland empire like it was just such an array of people and it was great and it was a beautiful day and so then um an org formed from some of the people that were locals there um, I was part of it, and so we started doing, like, weekly um, counter-protests against the other folks, and um, I was just documenting. I just, like, wanted to document for the org, and, um, and then I ended up running the social media, and so then that's where I was posting my work because I was doing it anonymously because I was trying to keep my family safe and myself safe. Like, mm. I knew some of the folks on the other side. Like, I had to be really, really, really <laughs> careful about um, like I would make sure like at the time I had colored hair, so I'd make sure like you couldn't see my colored hair and I would cover my tattoos and like always wear a mask, obviously, but I was wearing a mask. Like I had to very much be like as anonymous as I possibly could be yeah. to do this work to take those pictures. And it's like so you're Batman, um, dude. It's like you're a super it's, like low key, it's like you're a superhero having to having to like mask your identity to protect those you love. Yeah, sort of, yeah. I had to, I did it for a really long time because um it was just a, a very touchy, you know, time at the, you know, I had to be very, very careful. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so it started documenting all that. Then that blew up um, in this final one in August, which I have a zine from actually from all of my images from that day. I made a, a book. Um, and so Wait, I, you, made you know, a book? that I did. Does it have a title? A um, it's, it's called um, get your boot off my neck. Um, it's on my website. Um it's literally just a picture book. Like there's just a bunch Beautiful. of my pictures from that day. Well, yeah. we're going to mention at the end of the podcast, we're going to make sure to mention that because there's a segment oh. at the end where we have to, we met, we, where you get a chance to mention anything you want to plug that you've worked on. So yes, I would love mm -hmm. to mention you. Yeah. That's amazing. Sure. Yeah. Um, and then after that, I started venturing out outside of Tahunga a little bit more and was going down to the OC a lot. Seal beach was doing a lot of, and that there's also a very large, um, you know, like, white supremacist um group down there or like you know a community whatever down there yeah. as there is in tahanga um so went to a lot of very scary stuff at the beginning there um but definitely you know even though traumatic and scary like definitely made me a lot stronger and like i think i always said like during 2020 was like ashley a year ago would not be able to do mm. have which like she didn't have the balls to do what i'm doing right now like not at all but like putting myself out there more saying like why the fuck not is like how i got to like the it it's not comfortable but like being able to be able to hold myself in some of those like very stressful situations and so um and then and then i started doing a lot of impacted family work so basically dealing with families who um or like documenting the actions of the families who have been impacted by police brutality mm. um a lot of them have lost their loved ones their um, mothers, best friends, sisters, husbands, brothers, sons, uh, uncles, whatever, like all these people who have basically had like 
such similar stories to George Floyd, for example, but like that's just what everybody knows. But they're here in LA, they're dealing with the same exact issues, the same exact um, you know, justice system that um has caused them to be fighting for so so long. And I just like a lot of the times I saw myself in a lot because here in LA a lot of um a lot of the families are brown, a lot of them are um, you know, Hispanic in some field. So it's just like I could see myself in that mother. I can see myself in that daughter. I can see like and that's what made me want to be able to just like I was doing it for free. I was I'm not getting paid for any of it. I just wanted to be able to document like what these people were doing because like that's literally the least I could do. Like the least I could be able to do for these people who like deal with this every day. So that the least I would do is show up for an hour or two walk the street with them and document like what they're doing um to get justice so um yeah and so it's kind of just been like that for a hot minute for a while it was that was what I was doing and then at the same time still trying to do my business in the middle of a pandemic like my regular portrait birthday work blah 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 car stuff whatever so like all doing all that while also doing that and yeah so it's been a, it's been a journey but like I'm very blessed now that like um, I'm a contracted freelancer with a small publication here. So sometimes I do stuff with them. Like, and um, like I've met, like, even though pandemic was horrible and crazy and whatever, I met so many people on the streets that like, like other photographers who have given me so much, like so much knowledge are always there for me if I needed to text them and ask them a question, like have given me jobs and thrown a gig my way or whatever like I am so beyond blessed for some of these people that I've I've met um and it wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for you know documenting on the streets um alongside uh, some of these folks so yeah and to this day like they're still pushing me to try new things and um be like Ashley you're good do something with it and I'm like okay sure <laughs> Hell yeah. That's the kind of people you need around you. Why not people? People who yeah. who inspire you and also feel inspired by you. And I'm sure that's yeah. what they feel from your work. They're like, no, like Ashley, like you're like that's what that's what inspired me to ask you to be on my podcast was your work. Like you as a person, you're 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 a wonderful person, right? You're wonderful. You're Thank enough. You. You're enough. But your work is inspiring. Your work is impactful. I can't I personally can't wait to see what else you do in the future, Ashley. It's Thank really you. exciting, dude. Really exciting. Yeah. Um I wanted I wanted to just go back a, a little rewind back to porches. Sure. Just cuz I had a question about that. So you were just you were just taking photos of your friend's porches? What, so, no, what, what, like what, portraits what, portraits but like sorry so yeah please like i want to know more about that project because yeah. you said like sure portraits yeah sorry portraits so yeah, yeah. please yeah. tell me more about so that it was called portraits so portraits on people's porches so basically like i you know just i made an instagram account and whatever and a lot of the things i was getting was like from my friends or were my friends and like they were family members of my friends or whatever it was a lot of that but like um uh Basically, I just I would show up to your house and we would take, you know, I would be masked, I would be gloved, I would be socially distant, um, and we I would just take pictures on like your front porch. I even like you know a couple of people who like don't have porches. We just went to a nearby park or whatever and did it there, um, and uh, yeah, and that was like my way of getting back to behind my camera because I really wanted to be there. 
Um, and it was really fun. I, I only did it for maybe like two months or something like that. Or I really don't remember, but like, um, it gave me a lot of like experience with working with families, a lot of, you know, getting back into my portrait work and um, kids and everything like that. So yeah, oh, it was very fun. Yeah, dude. Yeah. That's inspiring. Yeah. Just like, again, yeah. kind of when they say that, uh, necessity is the father or mother of invention, right? Like you. Mm-hmm. You do something or you create an opportunity because you need to, because there is no opportunity, right? COVID had us shut down and we couldn't do anything. You lost your job to with that company working with Tyra and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And that was a door that closed. But like, it's so cheesy. But when they say, you know, when one door closes, another one opens and it's mm-hmm. hard, it's hard to look at it that way but when that's why I, that's why I, I want people like you on my show to kind of spread that message that like yo one door's closed doesn't mean you can't open a door cuz the door won't open for itself right it's not going to open for absolutely. you you have to open that door absolutely damn ashley all right <laughs> so you got the zine yeah. i mean anything else right now like what um are no, you still I, going I mean, out not... on the streets is that still a normal thing for you Oh yeah. I mean, definitely. I think it's, it's died down a little bit compared to like 2020. Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean, we're very, we're in an election season. We're about to have some elections tomorrow. We've been dealing with a lot of, um, that kind of stuff right now. I have been covering a lot of the Kevin DeLeon and Gil Cedillo and Nuri Martinez stuff, which is, if you guys don't know, is the city council, LA city council. They, the three of them got four of them. Another guy from the labor union got caught saying a bunch of racist remarks. Um, on tape and it was released and um Mm. nuri who was the president she did resign after some time actually the president of the united states had to tell her to quit her job and then she finally did it um but gil cedillo has not left his position but people are i mean he's going to lose his seat anyway to um a really great um person named um unisis who i'm very blessed that i now live in her district and um she's really awesome and great um and then there's kevin de leon who has refused to quit his job and has refused to give up his seat and the people are just like not liking that and not letting that happen so right now i think blm is still um they have a 24 hour 24 7 encampment in front of one of his properties um well beside it next to one of one of his properties um and then people are showing up to city council meetings every uh tuesday wednesday friday to try and get them to not have the meetings until these people resign um uh yeah, it was, it was, it's quite still a developing story. So whenever something does pop up, I'm trying. And now I live in like some of these neighborhoods that are, are controlled by these people. So I'm very much trying to like be as involved as possible because now directly involves me. So, yeah, again, re- harking back to what we said earlier about social media and how it's all connecting us, right? Not just knowledge, but news, current events, what's going on. Because we've seen so many times, like there's like that clip that comes to my mind from John Oliver's show where he shows all these clips from different news stations from all over the country repeating the same fucking script, repeating the same Mm -hmm. rhetoric. And it's just it's so exhausting and it's so mind numbing. But then TikTok, Instagram, all these different social media platforms allow people like you to share stories, share photos, share events of what actually is happening. We see videos of people showing what's happening on the streets live with police or mm-hmm. showing what's happening at these meetings with our with our uh, representatives, right? 
personally speaking, unless I was watching like C-SPAN or if I, watch, if I was watching that specific channel, I don't even know the channel that shows all the all the city council meetings or where I can see these live, right? But because of TikTok and because of Instagram and people are able to cut these clips now and share them on reels or share them on TikToks, you can now see like, oh, fuck. Okay, no. The, okay, these meetings are happening. I'm getting yeah. snippets of actual moments of these meetings of actual things, like important things that matter to me. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. These, okay. These are, cause like if, if it's out of sight, it feels very out of mind. Right. Especially when it comes to politics, right? If you're just an right. average Joe who's just trying to pay bills, who's trying to feed their kids, who's trying to just to fucking take care of themselves, which can be a whole task on its own. You don't have time right. to like figure out what's going it's- on. That's exactly why I post the videos from my days, like from my coverage on my personal page, because why would I put it on the page where, you know, all these people were basically already there. You know, like if I were to put it on giggle snaps, those people who follow that page were either already there or already know about the situation or, you know, are more, more um, familiar with it. So that's why I put it all the videos I take from uh, action on my personal page because then I'm forcing you know, like these regular people, girls I went to high school with, or, you know, friends I've met at Rockwell or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like I'm forcing them to have to click through my personal page through my personal Instagram story to like, to, to realize what's happening. And like, that's why I, that's why I post everything there. People are like, well, why aren't you posting this here? I'm like, no, because you already know what happened. Why am I going to put that there? I'm going to put that in this space because People don't realize, like, a lot of the protests I go to or whatever, like, happening on blocks of people I know, where, like, a lot of, you know, the the husbands or, the or you know, the, the people who are killed by police are killed, like, down the street from you. They're killed 10 minutes down the block from you, whatever. Like, it, it then that, like, being able to actively show, you know, the people around me that this is happening around all of us is, like, super duper important in, like, in my in in why I do what I do is because I just want to pe- I like pe- how do people not know that this is happening and it's because ignorance is bliss if you are not seeing these things you have no idea this is happening you have no idea that like there's policies being made against you or that there's people who look just like you who just got murdered down the street by people who were supposed to protect us or you know like those it's it's that's why I force people to look at my my Instagram story and granted, like, I think Instagram, I love, we obviously love it for, you know, creative visual people. Like that's where we got our start, but like the algorithms nowadays just like screw us over, like trying to tell these stories. Like I will post a selfie, like that gets three times the views in an hour than like some of my protest videos do That's weird. in 24 hours. It's very, it's very weird. And like, I know, I don't know how that happens. I think there are some, you know they can see when i'm posting at what time and whether or not they push it to the front of people's feeds and so um i'm I'm not trying i'm like when i post on giggle snaps i'm not trying to get followers and i'm not trying to do any of that i'm literally just trying to like document the world around me and like tell people what's happening in case they don't know what's happening because it it sometimes is very very serious and i do a lot of um pretty dramatic work sometimes Mm -hmm. um that can be very traumatic and scary. And like, I put myself there as like, and I, I put myself in a lot of danger because 
if I didn't, a lot of people who know me or whatever in my world would not know it was happening. Like I covered a KKK rally last year and like Ooh. having to like put, put myself in that position. Like it took a lot of time. Like my friend and I, um, you know, sat down with ourselves for an entire week before that. And we said, wow. do we want to put ourselves in this position? Like, that choice to go cover that event is a lot different than like all the white male photographers, all the white photographers like who are just like, oh yeah, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go there, I'm gonna cover that. Like you don't understand that like the position I put myself in if I put myself there as a very clearly brown woman, um, and doing that sometimes has gotten me in some very like hot water, you know, hot water, and like there have been times where people, you know, like some of these folks that I'm just trying to document have like come up to me and be like go back where you came from I'm gonna do said you know like dumbass shit to me when I'm just trying to document but like because I look the way I do or um I'm a woman or whatever like I get treated in such a different way so like putting myself in these spaces is like very much intentional because I need to tell from my perspective if I if I wasn't there all you're going to get is the perspective of a white man who went to go cover this event mm. so like now you have the perspective of a brown woman who put herself in that position and will provide a much different perspective than than anybody else you probably may see on a mainstream media or anything like that. Damn, yeah. Ashley. Wow. Yeah. I just need to sit with that for a moment. You mm -hmm. had to take a whole week to talk to your partner, your friend who was going to go with you to this KKK rally just to just to come to terms if you're gonna do it because yeah that's intense yeah. dude like because yeah. i've seen you know i've seen videos of of men who are not white guys you know maybe a black guy or latino guy going to these rallies right and you might be a person of color but you're still a man right there might be a sense of mm -hmm. there's still that sense of safety or because you're a guy can usually they're you know taller guys you know guys who look like they can handle themselves Mm -hmm. But for you, as not just a woman of color, but a person of color, but a woman too, like that, I don't and, know. and short and small, who like can't push my way through some of these things or whatever, and like some of these guys, like they can, you know, get certain perspectives or do certain things because like they're so tall and they can sneak through or whatever. They're guys, and like security will act a certain way towards them. Like I've had like you know, security from different organizations who are, like, supposed to be, like, on our sides or whatever, but they've, like, put their hands on me and, like, tried to move me, like, while I'm trying to document or whatever, or, like, try and block my camera, and I'm, like, it's ha what is happening here? Like, you didn't do that to, like, the four other male photographers who just walked right in front of me. Like, what what is happening right now? So, that's happened a lot, and I think, or I've had, like, men who just, like, shoot over my shoulder and just like steal my shots or whatever it happens all the time and like it's kind of just like what you sign up for but it's also something that like a lot of us are trying to change and like trying to you know trying to be more vocal about and get things to to be better so yeah because it's I a work in progress i bet yeah i can't even imagine what it is for you though like having someone shoot over you and i i wonder i'll ask mm -hmm. you better yet yeah, instead of assuming right uh when that happens to you, when something like that happens to you, when someone's trying to shoot over you or when someone's trying to when someone's being condescending to you or whatever it is, they're looking down to you because of who you are. Right. Do you feel like there's a part of you that needs to restrain yourself because of who you are? 
being a woman, being a, you know, a Latin, you know, woman of color and all that, like, because of that, do you feel like, do you feel like you have to restrain yourself? I mean, sometimes, yes. I think there's always that like little level of like, if I go crazy right now, if I get a little louder, you're going to think I'm just a crazy woman who, you know, is, or I'm a crazy Latin woman who's just going to yell at you and do all these things. Like, that's what I do have to like control like my emotions. And then on top of that, if I have a press badge on, like I'm there to work. I'm not there to argue or fight or do anything like that. Like I am here to work and I'm going to just do what I need to do, which is to document and to capture. And that means all fields. I'm going to capture everybody and do what I can, but um, also like what I want to show and like, and what for me is like, if it's in front of my face, if my camera's in front of my face, it's what I see. And so that means that it's happening. It means that, you know, it's there. And I had to, I had to be professional about it. I had, because if I'm not, then like, then like, what am I going to be seen as? Am I going to be seen as, you know, uh, crazy? Like, am I going to be seen as bossy? You know, all that stuff. Like that, I definitely, but I think that's something that's just a life thing. I think that's what all women have to do every day of their lives is yeah. like try and like be this little image. And like, it, not all the time I'm doing that, but there are certain times where like, I recognize the space I'm in and whether or not it's a safe space for me to be myself or if I have to be kind of on and like present myself right. in a certain way. Yeah. Yeah. It just reminds you of She-Hulk, you know, it's like mm -hmm. the Hulk's over here saying like, you have to control your anger. <laughs> She's like, dude, I, I've been controlling my anger as a woman. I have to do yeah. that through the condescending exactly. remarks, the cat calling or the, you know, it's it, it, what, cause I, being with my girlfriend, Stephanie, right? She's in the mental health profession and she's pointed mm -hmm. out like for a lot of women, especially, you know, like taking it back to like young ladies, right? Growing up, a, a girl will be named a chatty Kathy or she's just being a blonde. I and mean, like, there's all these little weird, weird little remarks that women get put, like labels get put onto them saying that they're this, this or that instead of being like, oh, maybe she's on the spectrum or maybe she's mm -hmm. dyslexic or maybe she needs help with this or, you know, maybe we shouldn't, you know, put this thing on her or, or, or maybe we shouldn't call her a bitch just because she's speaking up for herself and putting up a boundary. You know what I mean? Exactly. So like, that's definitely, I, I was wondering, you know, I didn't want to assume that's something you, you, you went through in your profession, but like, yeah, I, I can't imagine what that's like for you having to right. not just be, I mean, even, these... even just you asking that question, uh -huh. like, would you have ever asked a man that? And I'm saying you, I'm saying like in general, would men ever be asked that question? Probably not. <laughs> oh, I'll actually, I, 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 if I may, I feel like a sure. black man, a black man might say oh, otherwise, sure. you yeah. know, like I, 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 mm -hmm. I think of those stories of like how uh, for uh, for black women in hospitals, you know, giving birth, pregnant women, black women in hospitals, how like it's hard for like the death rate for black women, pregnant black women is so mm -hmm. high. And I remember the story of a man who lost his child and his wife and mm -hmm. he was saying how. He like when his wife was screaming in pain for help in the hospital and she needed medicine and attention, right? He had to keep his composure together so he wasn't seen as just another angry black man. But it's like mm -hmm. if he was just a white guy, he would have been seen as like a strong husband standing up for his wife, you know, or whatever. Exactly. So yeah, essentially, if you're not a white man in this world. <laughs> A cis white man and fat, like, oh, you're always man. putting on a little bit of a front. 
most places that you are. Mm-hmm. Damn, I knew, uh, man, I knew our conversation was going to be good, Ashley. <laughs> Uh, I wanted to se- I wanted to segue us into uh, my next uh, my uh, my next segment of the show. Uh, it's the Have you ever watched the Inside the Actor Studio por- uh, show? Y- yes. Yeah. So with, with James that Lipton, one guy in there with the glasses yeah, 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 yeah. and like he's like he's like he's yes. like, he got the cards and shit. Yes, I so have seen that. I'm a huge fan of that show, and I love the okay. questions he asks at the end. So there's a set of mm-hmm. 10 questions that James asks every guest that comes onto his show. And they're very, as I like to say, deceptively simple questions, but they're very insightful. They can be very insightful. Uh, mm-hmm. So if you're ready, I, I didn't want to prep you for this just because I like to have this be a very raw moment. You know, I want you to just answer with whatever you think of, and I promise you, it won't be anything too uh, intrusive uh, of a question okay. at all. I promise you, nothing sure. too uncomfortable at all. Sounds good. And if you do get uncomfortable, you're just like Stephen, boundary homie, and I'll be like, damn, <laughs> okay, set that boundary. <laughs> okay. Let's see though. Let's see. Get the get the questions out. So here we go. Here's your first question, Ashley. Okay. What is your favorite word? Hmm. My favorite word. The word I probably say the most is probably fuck. I curse like a sailor all the time. <laughs> so we're just gonna go with that. I like it. I like it. It felt mm-hmm. right. You went with it. Yeah. <laughs> Next question. Mm-hmm. What is your least favorite word? Ooh. Mm. Oh, that's a good. I don't I don't know. Um you know, probably because I am a, a plus size woman, I don't like the word fat. Like mm. F A T. I like P H A T. Like she's fat. She's pretty hot tempting. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't like F A T. F-A-T. That's not, I mean, it's just not a word I prefer for myself, but I know a lot of people like to reclaim it and whatever, but it's not a word I like. Fair enough. Take it. Thank you. (laughs) Next question. Mm -hmm. What turns you on mentally, spiritually, or emotionally? Okay. Good question. Um, I really love like passion, passionate people. Like I really you know i go towards those kinds of folks i gear towards passionate things people who are doing passionate things and are like yeah i would say like that that's probably it or like people who are determined and like that's really that's really intriguing to me people who are really trying so hard to do something and show something or whatever like whether that be you know in this activist world or whatever, just like a regular person doing really interesting things. I really try to surround myself with those kinds of people. Mm. Lovely. Next question. Okay. What turns you off mentally, emotionally, or spiritually? Or, I mean, probably the exact opposite. People who are not um, passionate or determined or like people who are... um, Maybe like, like people who are not willing to work maybe on themselves or like that sounds that's not really what I mean either because like obviously sometimes I don't want to work on myself that's for sure <laughs> but like people who who like just want to stay stagnant or whatever mm-hmm. I'm always trying to push a needle or do something so I think if you are trying to hold me back that I don't 
really want to associate, you know, on a major level with that kind of person. <laughs> Why do I feel like you had someone in mind when you were saying that? You're like, or you had a group of people. You're like, mm, I don't want. You're like remembering that list, <laughs> the list we all have. No, no, nothing specific. <laughs> Dig it. Dig it. Thank you. <laughs> Next question. What sound or noise do you love? Ooh, do I love? Hmm. My cat's meow. I love when she talks to me. Aww. Yeah. I, I, that's the first thing that came to my head. I don't know. That's beautiful. That's enough. That's yeah. beautiful. Sure. That's perfect. Okay. Next question. What sound or noise do you hate? People chewing. I don't. I that is. I hate when people are like. Yeah. No, even myself. I don't even like sometimes to like hear myself chew. <laughs> <laughs> that's pro- that's probably it. I'm glad there wasn't an eating segment in this show, or just like chatting yeah. and chewing. <laughs> Like listening back, I'd probably be like, "This is weird." Yeah, like, <laughs> and we're on headphones too, so it's like, right? <laughs> You're right. <laughs> oh, I can't. Oh, dig it. All right, next yes. question. Okay. Oh, you're gonna like this one. Mm. What is your favorite curse word? Um, fuck. <laughs> it's definitely a tie between like fuck and shit. Oh, like you have to say it like that. You have to say like shit. I heard that. I think I got. Yeah, I got that from my grandma for sure. She that was like her like, oh, I didn't mean to say that. You didn't hear that like that kind of thing. Like whenever she was like really upset, she's like, shut up, oh. <laughs> or like shut up, <laughs> but, like in the fun, in a funny way, like shut up. You have to say it like that. <laughs> yeah. Take it. Thank you. Next mm-hmm. question. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Oh, would I like to? That's a good question. Um, maybe like, maybe like something that has to do with like interior design or like home design or something like that. I thoroughly enjoy decorating spaces. Nice. All right. Cool. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. So these questions again, you learn so much about people, you know. Yes. Next question. Mm-hmm. What profession would you not like to do? Hmm. Um, I would like to never ever be a cop. There we go. That's a good one. <laughs> Solid. Definitely definitely not ever want to be anywhere near the police. Take it. <laughs> That just makes me so sad, though, because I feel the same way, and it makes me sad, you know? It's like, oh. Because it should be a very, like, distinguished type of thing, but yeah. they've proven that it's, it's it has never been, and at this current moment, is not happening anytime soon to be yeah. that. So. <sighs> Thank mm-hmm. you for your answer. Solid. Very, mm-hmm. very uh, in the moment, very current mm-hmm. event. Sure. Next question. And final question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? That's a good question. Um, 
I don't know why the first thing in my head was like, what's up, girl? <laughs> what's up? <laughs> Which sounds so dumb, but I really just wanted to be like, hey, girl, wel- welcome to the place. Like, your family's back here. I'd be like, hi, cool. I'm so excited to be here. Let me say hi to all my people I love. That would be me. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I, I imagine God comfortably in a muumuu or something. I'm like, hey, girl, come on in. Come yeah ready. literally like, like like standing at like the, the front of the gates and like you're like all right come on in and like here's the thing do i also think that it's a man no <laughs> that's fair it's a it's a it's a thing it's a being who knows we'll find out maybe hopefully it's like i'll let you know when i get there <laughs> right might, t- might take some time hopefully hopefully not anytime soon to have the answer but uh yeah hopefully i get that wonderful wonderful well hey we got it to the end of the podcast ashley we did it now this is the moment like i said before earlier this is the time for you to please share uh any any uh any of your instagram pages you want to share any other channels you want to share uh, your zine anything else you worked on please take the floor it's yours sure um so my two main instagrams because they're two very different pieces of work um, is giggle snaps giggle underscore snaps on Instagram? Um, that is where all my photojournalism work is. Um, all my regular portrait family, you know, event stuff is on um, Moments by Ash. Um, so my website for that is momentsbyash.com. My website for the other stuff is ashabaldorama.com. Um, and yeah, I do have a zine available on my website, Moments by Ash, um, that features all my work from. Uh, August 21st of 2020 from Tahunga. And hey. it's a really interesting little coffee table type zine book thing. And uh, yeah, I think that's about it. All my upcoming projects or whatever will be put up on those. Ah, beautiful. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you. This was fun. Good times. Yeah. Good times. <laughs> and... Ah, we're back to the ending. This is the outro. I just realized, look at that. I got like a the, 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 sh- the shadow of a past pimple hanging around my lip, making it look like a beauty mark. Uh, but uh, but yeah, just wanted to share that with you, my inner thoughts, because that's what this podcast was always about. Just me sharing my inner thoughts and now sharing inner thoughts of other folks. So you can get a little peek. You know what I mean? That's why you're here. And if you want to know more about Ashley, please check out the description below. It's going to have her links to all her social media platforms. Uh, it's going to have a link to her website as well. Uh, and when you're down there on the description, go check out the uh, the link to my stuff. Go check out the Stephen Brogan Cortez link tree. There's some fun stuff in there. And also, real fun fact, I put an OnlyFans link in there. It's not really an OnlyFans link. But people have been clicking it. So I know at least 90 people click that. And that's 90 possible consumers of media that I, I, I won't make that. Make, will I make feedy pics? Nah, nah, I won't. I haven't gotten there yet, folks. Uh, but we've gotten to the end of the podcast and to the, my favorite part where I let you know that you're enough. You're more than enough. It's insane how enough you are. Okay? Bye.